Look down at verse, let's start with verse 24. This is a familiar verse to many of us. We'll read down to verse 32. The Bible says, But none of these things move me, and neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Now I'm not preaching that. That's Paul saying that. It's not me. I'm not preaching this because it's like I'm, I'll be here till July. So, um, um, wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I preached a couple Sundays ago, and I told you that the, the, the sermon, if you were, if you were here, I, I preached a message about Abraham and his servant Eleazar, and I talked about, it's a very famous passage that I've heard, and if you've been in church for any amount of time, I'm sure you've heard many sermons about I being in the way the Lord led me. And God put that sermon on my heart because I, I, as, as we are, transitioning in, in our lives to, to plan a church, and, and as we have had to make a lot of decisions about what that looks like, what avenues that we're going to take with that, I've had a lot of people ask me, and, and why, well, why are you doing it this way? Well, how are you going to do it? Well, why did you choose this avenue? Why did you choose this path? And the, the, I told you a couple Sundays ago that the phrase that's been in my mind was, I was just in the way and the Lord led me, right? I mean, I'm sure as many of your experience may be of why you're at where you're at now or why you're in the career that you're in right now or why you're wherever you're at in life. Oftentimes it's like, it's like a football game. You just see a hole and you go for it, right? You, a door opens and you walk through it and that's where I'm at. But not only have I got the question why, and let, trust me, no one in here has asked me this. I had someone ask me, ask me after the first service, like, well, who's asking you these questions? Like, don't worry, it's okay. No, it's not, I'm not offended. The next question, well, what is what if? Well, what if it doesn't work out? Well, what if you uh, don't raise the funds? Or what if, you know, you, literally, what if you die? Someone asked me, like, what is that? what's going to happen? Like, right, like, what if you die? Like, what, what if, right? And we can live our lives with what ifs, or we can live our lives with maybe if. But this has been the, this, there's another phrase. It's like, I just, that's the way my mind works. So it's like, well, why? And it's like, well, I've been in the way the Lord led me. And then, well, what if? And it was this phrase of, listen, this is just what I'm doing. And this is the title of our message this morning, we've, we've burnt the ship. We're fully committed. All our eggs are in this basket, at least for us in our lives with, with church planning. And so you might have heard this message before, but it's something that I needed. Um, it's something that, I, that helped me in the first service, and I hope it will be a help to us this morning. Can we pray and ask God to bless the service, and then we'll dive right in. Father, we love you. And Jesus, I'm thankful, God, even that just you have a sense of humor, Lord, and just the, the uniqueness of, of being able to preach on this Memorial Day weekend when six years ago today, Lord, I walked in here with... Lord, just <laughs> kind of uncomfortable with jeans and a t-shirt, but God, just to, to think back on all the things that you've done in my life, where all the, the, the sermons that I preach from this pulpit, all the, the things that you've taught me and grown me, 
Lord, I walked in as a 23-year-old boy, but now God, as I, you know, turning 30 and God walking out, Lord, I just, I just give you all the glory and the praise for it. God, I pray that you'd help us this morning. As we look at kind of a punchy message, Lord, I pray that, God, that we would think about being committed. God, I pray that you'd help us. Holy Spirit, we need you this morning. It's in your Son's name and for his sake that we ask these things. Amen. Four and a half decades before the birth of Christ, a man named, that's familiar to all of us, named Julius Caesar, was a commander in the Roman army. And he was taking his armed forces across the continent of Europe over to the Isle of Britain to conquer and conquest. And, and this period of history is very interesting and it's also very, um, it's very, it's very significant. It's interesting to us as people of the Bible because this is the history surrounding our own biblical narrative. I mean, like today the fact that we're, a lot of times we think about going to the uttermost or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. I just want you to know, as, as sitting in states North Carolina, we're kind of the end of the world. Like, like we think about, oh, missions and the 1040 window and let's go to the Middle East. Well, that, the Middle East is where all this started and we're on the other side of the world now reaping the benefits of the Great Commission. And so this period of history in the Roman Empire, it's interesting to us as believers because like I said, it, it surrounds our own biblical narrative. But it's, it's significant because during this period of time, the, the, the Roman Republic, and you realize it started off as a republic with, with senators, and maybe you've seen movies about this, or the, it started off as a Roman Republic, it's slowly transitioning into a Roman Empire. At this time, the, the Roman Empire is taking over what the great superpower of the known world at this time was, which was ancient Greece. If you know history at all, it's Alexander the Great, then he dies, and his kingdom is divided up between his four generals. And once they divided that kingdom, the Romans kind of came in, and they began to take it over slowly but surely. This transition period starts with the, the death of Julius Caesar, but it ends with the assassination of Mark Antony and Cleopatra, if, you, if you're familiar with that at all. And the first Lord Emperor, the first Roman Emperor of the new Roman Empire was a man named Octavian. You may never heard of him by that name, but you certainly have heard of him if you've ever read the Christmas story at Luke. In Luke chapter number two, a man named Caesar Augustus. And he's the first Roman Emperor of the new Roman Empire. He goes out to tax his land or to, to send out a registry so that he can see all that is in his kingdom. But four and a half decades before that, about 45 B.C., we find a man, a, a Roman general, who's commanding a Roman army. And he, his name is Julius Caesar. And like we said, he's taken this army across the continent and he takes them over to the Isle of Rome. They, they cross the English Channel and they uh, get out of their ships and they go up onto the coast. And many believe it was over the, the cliffs of Dover. And if you've been to the U.K. or to there, you can see over the cliffs and, and see far below onto the beach and the seashore. And as the story goes, Julius Caesar, he commands his men to go over to the edge of the cliff and to look over. And what they saw shocked them. They looked over the side of the cliff and they saw every single one of their ships engulfed in flames. Julius Caesar had commanded them to set ablaze each and every ship that had taken them to the Isle of Britain. There was only one option. And it was to move forward in conquest. There was no way back to the continent. There was no way back to Rome. They were now fully committed. They had burnt the ships. And listen to me carefully because here's the message this morning. You are committed to something. I'm committed to something. We are all committed to things in our lives. And so by way of introduction this morning, I'd like to ask you, what is it? 
What are the things in our lives that we're committed to? I mean, we all have obligations. We all have things that, that, are, that we are committed to, right? Many of you are, are going on vacation sooner. You just got back from vacation or whatever. Maybe you have commitments tomorrow. You're going over to, to celebrate uh, Memorial Day at someone's house. You've, you've made commitments. Well, in our passage of Scripture today, we're, we're looking at the second half of a monologue that Paul is delivering to some Ephesian elders. We're going to look at the second half where I see and where I would argue that we are to be fully committed to where I believe we ought to burn the ships. Number one, I want you to notice with me in our text, Paul's declaration, be committed to your God-given roles and responsibilities. Be committed to your God-given roles and responsibilities. Now, many of you, we, we were in the book of Colossians on Sunday mornings now, but we were in the book of Acts for a long time. And so in the book of Acts, if you remember the story there, Paul in the book in chapter number 19 begins his third missionary journey. In his third missionary journey, he spends the bulk of his time after this Macedonian call in the town of Ephesus with these Ephesians. It was in, Ephes- in Ephesus where Paul has to go. If you remember, he goes back to Ephesus and, and, and Apollos had been teaching, but he'd been teaching about John the Baptist and that, that last great Old Testament prophet, but he hadn't been teaching about Jesus the Christ. And so Aquila and Priscilla go and they, they begin to, to tell people and, and Paul goes over and he begins to, to tell people about Jesus and his message and people are baptized into this new covenant with Christ. It was at Ephesus where, where Paul was so busy doing work and doing ministry that he could he they needed him all over the place and they begin to to take articles of Paul's clothing and, and pass them around. Hey, Paul, we we have some healing over here. I can't be over there. So here, take this handkerchief, and if they touch it, right, they're 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 gonna be healed. It was in Ephesus where where Paul taught for two three years in the hall or the school of Tyrannus, every day teaching and discipling and training up these pastors to go all across Asia Minor with the gospel. It was in Ephesus where the Bible says that the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. It was in Ephesus where Paul would eventually send Timothy to spend the bulk of his life pastoring. It was in Ephesus where, you tired of the word Ephesus yet? It was in, Eph- it was in Ephesus where, where Paul would write his final two letters before being beheaded in Rome. In our text today, we find Paul, he's come to the end of this journey he spent, yes, time in Ephesus. He's gone back over into Macedonia, down into Greece, back up into Macedonia. And now he's going to board a ship at an Ephesian port because his heart is no longer set on Asia Minor. His heart is no longer set on this Macedonian call that God had given to him. His heart is now set on a little city called Rome. And he's going to go back to Jerusalem and then go to Rome. And so in our text today, we find this second half of this dialogue, this monologue rather, that he gives to the Ephesian elders. Look down at verse 25. It says, And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. He says, I know that none of you who I've been with for these past three years, 
I know that all of you men that I've labored with, that I've, that I've, that I've been with, I know that none of you are going to see my face again. So, so let me tell you something. He says, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm free from, from the guilt of all of you. There, there, there's nothing, and what that means is there's nothing that I have not shared to you. I have done my due diligence to preach to you the whole counsel of God. There's, there, wasn't a, there wasn't something that I was scared of, that I shirked away from, that I shied away from. Everything that was on me to do, I have preached to you. I've, I've done everything I could to teach you and to tell you about the grace of Jesus Christ. Then he goes on, he says, but now, I, now, I, now I'm going to tell you something. He says, I want you to take heed. He says, hey, take heed unto yourselves, but also take heed unto the flocks of God, unto the, the churches, unto the people that God has entrusted under you to feed them the church of God which Christ has purchased with his own blood. Everyone under the sound of my voice this morning has certain roles and responsibilities. You do. No matter what stage of life that you're in, no matter if you are just starting off life as a, as a young adult or, or you're in the middle of your life or maybe you're in the fourth quarter and you're wondering if you're going to make it right to overtime. We don't know, right? But whatever you're at in your life, you have roles and responsibilities. You have things that, that you're in charge of, things that are under you, influence over certain aspects of your life. And Paul, in our passage, has just got done explaining to them his role. Did you catch that? He said, hey, listen, let me tell you what my role has been. My role as an apostle has been to teach you, to, to train you up, to send you out. I have not shunned away, shot away, shirked from. I've done all that I can to fulfill my roles and responsibilities for you, Ephesians. But let me tell you what your roles and responsibilities are. He says, hey, take heed unto yourselves. He says, hey, hey, hey pay clear, careful attention to, to yourself and to what God is doing in your own hearts. And, and then not only uh, take heed unto yourselves, but take heed that you feed the flocks of God that, that Christ has entrusted unto you. And like we just read, because the church of Christ, got cr the church, Jesus has purchased with his very own blood. So, hey, Ephesians... Be committed to your roles and responsibilities. And what I'm here to tell you this morning is, hey, church, hey, believer, you too be committed to your roles and responsibilities. Let me read you something. Paul was writing this to the church at Corinth, and he was specifically addressing the law and liberty. But let me read it to you. It says, Wherefore, therefore, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, and we all know this, do all to the... Glory of God. Okay, good. Yes, we did it. Glory of God. Okay? This applies not only to its specific context of liberty, but it applies to every aspect of our life as a Christian. So follow me. Listen, we all know this, right? Well, yeah, we're supposed to do all to the glory of God. We're all supposed to do everything as unto the Lord. So when I work at my career, man, I'm going to work as hard. I want to have integrity. I want to do that. Man, if, I, if I'm out there playing a game, right, I want to do that as unto the Lord. And we think about it. But if you're like me, oftentimes I apply these principles to the wrong things. Right, because it's not talking about hey, do the best that you can at your favorite hobby. Hey, do the be the best that you can at the things that interest you. I mean, what about our roles and responsibilities? What about our primary things? Well, Pastor Stewart, what are you talking about? What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what mine are. Right, number one, Stuart Sharp. Number one role, 
follower of Jesus. I am a disciple. And underneath that role as a disciple of Christ, there are certain responsibilities. Man, I have a relationship with Jesus. And this isn't just a, a one-way thing. This is a, this is a covenant where I, that I've entered into with Christ, and there's responsibilities with this. Listen, I'm the husband of Chelsea Sharp. That's a role in my life. I'm a husband. And with that role comes responsibility. Some of my responsibilities, and I know you know this, but to love my wife. Yes, we all like to talk about how wives are supposed to submit to, to their husbands, but the biggest point of that whole passage is that husbands are to sacrifice for their wives, like Christ sacrificed and gave himself for the church. I'm a father of Emerson, Olivia, and Cora, and they're, they're my children, and they're my responsibility. There's responsibilities that come with that role on my life. And I think that some of us, it'd be good maybe to, to take out a sheet of paper, right? Or, to, or take out your phone and the notes or whatever it is that you use and write your name. Keith Sigmund, role number one, right? Role number two. And then underneath those roles, I'm going to write out my responsibilities. The message I believe from this text is not just to the pastors in Ephesus, nor do I believe that it's just for pastors today. I think it's for every believers who read this. Hey, take heed to yourself. Pay close attention to those that are under you, the, those that you are an overseer of. And not just pay careful attention. Not just take heed. But then be committed. Then burn the ships, right? I'm a follower of Jesus. In May of 2010, when as a 17-year-old boy, I, I, I accepted as a young man, I accepted Christ as my Savior. I decided I'm in. I'm following Jesus. I look over that cliff and say, hey, 12 years ago, however, yeah, 12 years ago, I burnt the ships. Hey, I'm a husband to Chelsea Sharp. I've entered into a covenant with her. She's my responsibility. I'm her leader. No one else has given an account for her. I've burnt the ships on that relationship. I'm not leaving. Hey, for Emerson, for Olivia and for Cora, they're my kids. They're not the church's kids. They're not the school system's kids. I give an account for them. And I look over that cliff and I, I have burnt the ships. There's no retreat. There's no slacking back from my God-given roles and responsibilities on my life. Hey, Paul's declaration is what we're declaring to you this morning. Hey, be committed. Be committed to your God-given roles and responsibilities. And if you don't know what they are, hey, listen, that's why, hey, take heed unto yourself. Take heed unto yourself. Figure out what those are. Write those things down and then say, you know what? I'm committed. I'm burning the ships for every role in my life. Number one, we see Paul's declaration. Be committed to your roles and responsibilities. Number two, Paul's admonition. Paul's admonition, be committed to sound doctrine. If that's kind of a heavy word, hey, be committed to the book. Be committed to the book. Look down at verse number 29. The Bible says, for I know this. That after my departure shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul follows up what he has just declared these pastors with an admonition, with a warning. He says, hey, let me tell you why you need to take heed. I've told you, hey, hey, take heed unto yourselves. Hey, hey, take heed unto the flock of God. But now let me tell you why. He says, hey, the wolves are coming. He ain't talking about like wild beasts coming. He's talking about, hey, there are people that are going to come to try to deceive you, to try to pull you away. And I talked about this in the first service. A lot, oftentimes we think, oh, man, the, the atheists and the liberals, they're going to get us. They're not getting you. Who's getting convinced to be a liberal in here? Nobody, right? Nobody. I hope, I mean, I don't know. I don't know your life. Nobody is. No one's convincing you to, to stop believing that there's a God. You grew up in this. You know the book. 
You know how he's going to get you? He's going to be, and it's, he's subversive. Maybe it's on a, maybe, I don't know what is, I don't know what I'm doing, like Instagram, TikTok, something that, he's, he, he's going to use the most sneaky, subversive ways. Maybe it's a friend. It's just a little word that gets in your mind. They begin to, to tell you these things. And you begin to, to question and Paul's saying, hey, hey, listen, they're, they're coming from within and from without. So take heed. Hey, hey, be careful. Let me, let me warn you. Hey, hey, remember the words that I've taught you. Remember the things that I've shared with you. Not only be ki- committed to your role as overseers, as spiritual leaders, but be committed to sound doctrine. Paul would later write with his hands what he's just spoken uh, with his mouth to the Ephesian elders. He wrote to Timothy. Let me read you this. This is what he wrote to Timothy. He said, hey, Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. He says, hey, Timothy, hold fast the forms of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. And then listen, this is what he wrote to Titus. He said, holding fast the faithful word as you have been taught, that it may be able to, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought to. Not. Well, Pastor Stuart, what's sound doctrine then? Well, nerd out for you a little bit. Doctrine, so it's the, the Greek word didaskalia, and it's the, it just means instruction, right? It's, it's just any type of instruction or any type of instruction from an instructor or from a teacher. And the word sound is hugiaio. I know it's a weird one. You can say hugiaio, right? It means sound. It means uncorrupted. So sound doctrine, uncorrupted teaching. Well, what's uncorrupted teaching? Well, I would argue that the only uncorrupted teaching that I know of is this book. And Paul is saying, hey, be committed to it. He says, listen, I know that as soon as I'm gone, the wolves are coming from within and from without. So Ephesians, be committed to the faithful word. Be committed to the whole counsel of God that I have not ceased with tears. Did you catch that? With tears I've labored year after year to teach you these things. I've poured my heart out to you. So be committed to them. Jesus himself said this, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening or ravening wolves. Therefore watch and remember, be committed to sound doctrine. Listen, there's a lot of things that we hold fast to, isn't it? I mean, this has been the perfect area for me to talk about this because a lot of us in here, we, 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 we take sides on things, okay? How many of you Tar Heels fans? Just listen, just own it. You guys want, you guys want to own it when they're good. Okay, Duke fans. Any, okay, yes, thank you. You owned it. You, there you are. Okay, right. There's no way I'm convincing a Tar Heels fan to be a Duke fan, right? No, okay, thank you. No way, no way, it ain't happening. All right, where are my Democrats at? Okay, just kidding. <laughs> Demon crap. No, I'm just kidding. Right, there's no way. I, listen, there's no way. There's no way I'm convincing a Republican to vote. It's not happening. There's no way if you're, if you're, if you're into vehicles, vehicles, is that what they call them, cars, trucks? If you're, into, if, you're, if you're a Ford guy, there's no way I'm convincing you to buy a Chevy. Hey, listen, there's certain things that we hold fast to. What I'm asking you this morning is what about this? I mean, there's a lot of things that we see in the news and we see uh, that are all over, plastered on social media and all these things that we let into our eyes and into our mind and we begin to, to, to not hold fast and, and be committed to it. We begin to, to loosen our grip and say, well, what about this? And what Paul is saying, hey, listen, 
take heed to yourself. Hey, take heed to, to the things that are under you and then hold fast to the book. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. For the, right, and the, for, for, let me read this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trusted him, for the word of the Lord is right. All his works are done in truth. Listen, Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Listen, listen to what the psalmist said. He said, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness, for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above thine own name. I love that. Man, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And what the psalmist says is that he has magnified the very word of God above his own name. Listen, church, be committed to this book. Hey, be a student of this book. Be someone who wants to know the Word of God, who wants to love the Word of God. I, listen, I, we're all learning. I, I love to learn it. Whether you're like, I hate learning. You all are learning something every day. You're listening to something. Information's coming in. It's affecting how we act. Whether it's podcasts, whether it's books, whether it's the TV, whether it's the news, whatever it is that you're watching. Listen, this is the lens this is the filter. This is the worldview. As we see things that are happening, as, as tomorrow's Memorial Day, and you hear all these pundits and people pontificating about whatever's going on in the world and how terrible America is. Hey, this is what we view that through. And Paul's admonition, Paul's warning is simply, hey, listen, it's coming. Subversively, right? So be committed to the book. Number one, we see Paul's declaration. Number two, we see Paul's admonition. But I want you to notice we thirdly, and finally, we'll be done this morning. Paul's commendation. Paul's commendation. Be committed to Jesus the Christ. Look down at verse 32. The Bible says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Verse 36 says, And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, for they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. Paul says, finally, hey, listen, I, I commend you. I commit you over into safer hands than mine. Paul's spent some time declaring unto them. He says, I'll, I'll never see you again, so, so let me declare unto you the words that I've preached unto you. Hey, I'll never see you again, so let me admonish you. Let me warn you about what is coming. I know I may never see you again, so let me commend you or commit you over to a higher authority. I place you, church, into much safer hands than mine. And then Paul spends the, the next couple of words, he's talking about generosity. He's saying, hey, listen, you guys have ministered unto me. You've given to me. You've been so generous to me. Then he quotes Jesus. He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Then the Bible says that these Ephesian elders, they come around him. They cry. They pray. They lay hands on him. And then they accompany him down to the seaport, the seaport off to the ship where they'll never see his face again. 
Let me read to you a, a verse that the psalmist wrote. He said, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock. For house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me. For thou art my strength. Listen. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. The psalmist, David. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. That should be ringing some bells for us, shouldn't it? That should be reminding of us of another place in Scripture. When Jesus has cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. What does that mean? Why is that such a big deal? Let me read you what Jesus said in John 10. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my, out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Centuries before that passage was written, we have David, the psalmist of Israel, crying out to us through the halls of Scripture about where the safest place to be is. To be in your hands. I commit myself over to you. And then Jesus at the end of his life is saying, Hey, Father, into thine hands I commend my spirit. Jesus speaking to us from John chapter 10. Hey, the safest place that you can be is in the hands of the Savior. And now in our text, Paul is saying something very, very similar. He says, I commend you, I commit you over to the hands of God and to the word or the message of his grace, which is able to build you up. And what is the message of his grace? What's the gospel? What's the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hey, Ephesians, I, I know you're not going to see me again. Hey, Ephesians, just, just so you know, no one's coming after me. Yes, I'm going to send Timothy years later, but for this space of time, no one's coming. So I'm committing you over to a higher power. I'm handing you over to a higher authority, to the hands of God. Ephesians, I want you to be committed to your God-given roles and responsibilities. Sure, I want you to be committed to sound doctrine, of course, but you must be committed over to God. And so I ask you this morning, are you committed to God? Jesus the Christ, the word Christ is the New Testament word of the Old Testament word. Messiah just means the anointed one. It's not his last name. It's Jesus are you committed to him? Listen, so many of us could be, we, we know people in our lives, we know people in our neighborhoods who are great dads. Some of you had great parents. Some of you had bad parents. Some of you had great parents and they didn't know the Lord, right? Some of us know neighbors and coworkers and they're great people and they are acing all their roles and they're acing all their responsibilities in life. Some of you know this book backwards and forwards. We've grown up in this. Some of you have, have so much of scripture, you have more scripture than me that's been memorized. But listen to me. If we do not come by the way of the cross, if we've missed Jesus the Christ, then we have missed everything. There's a difference between making a decision for Christ and being a disciple of Christ. Did you hear me? There's a difference between making a decision for Christ and being a disciple of Christ. Many will say to me in that door day, Lord, Lord, we have, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name have done many wonderful works? Then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you, ye that work iniquity. Listen, I'm not trying to get you to doubt your salvation this morning. All I'm simply trying to say is Jesus Christ has got to be at the top. That's got to be our number one commitment. 
John the, 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 when John, the, the, the apostle John, when he was the disciple of Jesus' love, remember when he was banished, right? They killed all the other apostles. They martyred them. They tried to boil John the vat of oil. They couldn't do it. They banished him to the Isle of Patmos. It's on the Isle of Patmos that, that he has this apocalyptic vision, right? It's the, the weird book at the end of our Bible. It's called Revelation. And he sends this, this apocalyptic vision. He writes it out and he sends it off to the seven churches. And there's one church in particular that he sends it to. Do you remember it was the church at... Ephesus. And remember what he wrote to the church at Ephesus? Jesus is, is writing. If you go back and read it in Revelation, it's in red. He says, hey, I have something against you. Hey, li- listen, you, man, you, you, guys have been, you guys killed it. You, you guys aced it. You know the doctrine, the school of Tyrannus, all of these churches that were built, everything that you did. You guys did a great job. But I have something against you. You've left your first love. And so what I'm trying to tell you this morning is, listen, we can ace all our roles and responsibilities. We can kill it when it comes to sound doctrine. We can know the book and we can, we can sword fight with people when it comes to, 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 to talking and arguments with them. But if we don't have the love of Christ, but if we don't know Jesus, it's all for nothing. Listen, are you committed to Christ? I'm reminded of William Borden, the great missionary to China. Well, he didn't make it to China. He was 25 years old. His parents were, were millionaires. They, if you go to Borden Milk Company, China. There we go. Okay, God, we're here. Awesome. Love this. At this time, last time, it was calling in the back talking. This time, it's just the Lord. I'm just kidding. <laughs> William Borden, he never made it to China. He was going to be a missionary to China. He was 25 years old. He dies in Egypt. And as, as they start going through his stuff, through his journal, many of you have heard this story before, they find three statements written down. It said, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. Listen, some of us need to look at our relationship with Christ and say, listen, I'm committed. Hey, listen, I, I, there, there's nothing that's going to convince me to walk away from my relationship. There's nothing going to stop me from pursuing Jesus because he pursued me. And long ago, I looked over those cliffs and I see the ships that are on fire because I burnt them. I burnt the ships and I am fully following after Jesus the Christ. The writer of Hebrews said this, he said, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which that, that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, Jesus, he endured the shame. He despised, he despised, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He was committed to the very end. And what I'm asking you this morning is, will you be to the end, Jesus? I will follow you to the end. Though the the earth passes away, I'm fully committed. I have burnt the ships. There's no escape plan. There's no plan B. I've pushed all the chips and all my eggs are in the basket of Jesus the Christ. Will you be committed. Number one, we saw Paul's declaration, be committed to your God-given roles and responsibilities. Hey, church, hey, t- take heed. Hey, pay ca- ca- careful, close attention. Maybe you do need to, to take out a pen and paper and write out or take out your phone and make a note list and say, hey, these are my roles. These are my responsibilities. And then take heed to yourself. Take heed to those things. Number two, hey, hey, hey be warned. Hey, be committed to sound doctrine. Make sure you know this book. Make sure that, that you know it and you study it and you're a student of it because there's going to be things that are going to come into your mind and to your eyes and to your ears that want to dissuade you and pull you away from Christ. Hey, be committed to the book. 
And then finally, we see Paul's commendation. He says, hey, listen, be committed to Jesus the Christ. Do you know Jesus of Nazareth? And are you a follower of his? Have you placed your trust in his salvific work alone? Then do you walk with him? Are you committed to him? Church, believer, we're done this morning. And listen, we're all committed to something. But in every area of commitment that actually matters, my roles, this book, my relationship with him, the message is very simple. Burn the ships. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Abby, she's going to come and she's going to play on the piano. And, and as we say, let's stand to our feet this morning. I just want to ask you a couple questions. No one's looking around. But as, as I probably won't have this opportunity to do this for a long time, since this is my last Sunday preaching to you, I would like to pray for you. And so if you're saying, hey, Pastor Stewart, you're talking about commitment. And, and if you're like me, you, you, you are maybe afraid of commitment. You don't like, I don't like signing my name to anything. I don't like giving out information. I don't like to, I, I am afraid of commitment. But man, some of those areas you talked about, the, I need to be more committed. Man, Pastor Stewart, would you help me to, to, to identify the roles and the responsibilities in my life? Would you pray for me? I, I need to look at those. That's you. Raise your hand. Let me pray for you. You say, hey, there's, there are certain roles in my life that I need to be better committed to. Maybe it's being a, a husband to my wife, a wife to my husband, a father, a, a mother to my children. We'll pray for you. Then if you'd say, hey, Pastor Stewart, listen, I've been in church my whole life. I've been saved for, for who knows how long, but I need to be committed to this book. I mean, I could tell you everything there is to know about sports or about hunting or about X, Y, or Z, but when it comes to the book, man, it comes to sound doctrine, I haven't been as committed as I need to be. If you'd like me to pray for you this morning, would you raise your hand? I'd, I'd love to pray for you. Hands all over. And listen, if I were to ask, hey, who needs to be more committed to Jesus, we'd all raise our hands. So listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. If you need to do business with God, I pray here in a moment, you need to, to come to this altar. You can make an altar out of your seat. Listen, you can make an altar wherever you want. And just say, maybe it's, maybe it's something like this. Hey, Lord, Jesus, you know my heart. God, often you don't have my hands. God, often you don't have my mouth. God, often you don't have my, Lord, my mind. Lord, I, I just want to make sure that, you, God, you have my heart. God, help me to be committed to you in these areas. God, help me maybe if it's, if it's I have some free time this week to, to maybe take out a sheet of paper, take out my phone and write down my roles, my responsibilities. Lord, I, I have one shot at this on this earth and I want the, 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 the places and the people that I'm going to give an account for one day. Lord, I, God, I want to be committed to them. Then, Lord, would you help me as I am committed to your book? God, there's so many things that we know and so much information that we consume. But, Lord, I, I've been slacking when it comes to, to the Bible. God, I've been slacking when it comes to my desire to know you. God, help me to be committed. And then, Father, what I pray over all of us, God, these words are in Scripture to us as a, as a, as a, as a sermon, Lord, as, a, as the words of Christ, because, Lord, this isn't easy. God, prone to wander, Lord, how I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us because we are prone to wander. God, we are prone to, to wander after our own, our own desires and our own selfish ways. And so, Lord, even as we think on Memorial Day weekend, maybe we're going to take some time tomorrow before we eat or before we celebrate or whatever, and, and maybe we sit down with our kids and we talk to them about why Memorial Day is important, or maybe we don't, whatever. God, I pray that we think about you. God, I pray that we make a memorial out of the times that, Lord, you saved us. You've chosen us and you've called us into the gospel of your grace. 
So I pray that you'd help us. Lord, God, I do pray for these people. Lord, I pray for myself. Lord, I pray for all of us. Lord, that we be committed. Father, we love you. It's in your beautiful name I ask these things. Amen. Listen, look right at me. If, you, if you're like, hey, I, I, I don't, you heard, you're talking about Jesus, you're talking about all this. Listen, there's going to be counselors up front after the service that would love to talk to you. This, this isn't like, a, oh, you've been in church your whole life. Why are, this, there's no shame in this. Don't let pride like, not keep you from you know, pursuing after the Lord. Or say, hey, I need, help, I need help in this. Listen, we have counselors here. We have pastors on staff that want to help you. And so we'll, we'll thank you for it. Listen, Colin, you come and give us some announcements, and then you... This